0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select
0: devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Oh,
1: yeah, we don't need perfect credit, huh Even with credit scores in the 500s, it only takes a cup of coffee to get started. Dig it? Oh, yeah, snap into it. Welcome do something to wrestle, wrestle with we it. We well, you know, that's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. Was <laughs> that a rib? No, you have would be. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor, I, I don't deal in rumor and you know. innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I, saw the line. I don't. Give a shit. I ain't scared I ain't scared of shit. Scared of shit. Fuck yeah. you, Bruce. I love you. you. Double you. cheeseburger. You Double cheese. You know. Double mayo. Know.
0: Double, Double onion, motherfucker. <laughs> Ding it. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you?
1: Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined your black tie fare. I was the last one to know, the last one to show. I was the last one you thought you'd see there. So here's a good story about that, man. I used to go and play pool all the time at Slick Willie's Family Pool Hall and Neighborhood Bar in Houston, Texas, right off the Fuquay exit there. It's not there anymore. But they had a jukebox. And my buddy and I would always go in, and we would accidentally, I would go over to the jukebox, and I would drop my money, and I would go down like I'm going to pick up the money, and I would bump the jukebox and unplug it, which would then erase everybody's selections, if anyone had any selections before I got in there. Oh, my. And then I would very quickly plug it in. I would put my money in, and I would put my suggestions in. And every night, you know, that we'd be there until I figured out how to do this, they would play this song. And I thought it was called the Oasis. So I'm looking at all over the damn thing for, you know, where's that Oasis song? Because I figured if I could play that, intersperse it with a little bit of country, that nobody would be the wiser. But, yeah. I don't know why I felt the need to tell that story, but I did.
0: Well, I'm glad you did. And I'm glad to be recording with you today. A very rare Sunday recording, as we take a stroll down memory lane to talk about one of the big, what ifs in WWE history, or at least in my opinion, we're talking about the end Your of opinion. my opinion. Okay. Ken Shamrock in the WWE is our topic today. Uh, man, I saw a, uh, a ton of great feedback. On social media about our conversations about superstar Billy Graham and over the edge itself. And
1: so, uh, so, so you got me doing that. That's real good. Okay. Anyway, but I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry.
0: Do you want to show everybody that giant white nose hair you pulled out that you touched no, I, I me? Mean. I, I can't find it, but it was a big one. It was long. How do you, how does one get gray nose hair
1: you, by getting old?
0: Okay. And how does the nose hair get so long? It touches your lip. Well,
1: it just, you know, sometimes it curls. Okay. And it curls and it starts going back in there. So like, then when you go and you breathe and it just kind of like makes that one hair come out and say, like, oh my God, what's that? And you go, boom, and you got to pull it out.
0: Shout out to uh, the weed whacker for manscaped. You know? So listen, we talked about Kid share last year. We're going to pick it up where we left off. Of course it ends 1998 at least ends with him being a double champion. He's going to be both an intercontinental champion and a tag team champion, along with the big boss man. One of the top heels in the corporation here. As we go into 99, you know, listen, we should just add some context. We in 97 with him challenging Shawn Michaels for the world title in December at the in your house pay-per-view. And even though he's got some gold here in 98, it does feel like he's lost some momentum. Do you think overall you guys had maybe cooled on Shamrock during the year 1998?
1: No, I think Ken was doing well. He was involved in storylines and... As you said, he was a double champion. That's hardly cooling someone.
0: Well, I guess I'm just asking how crowded is it? Cause that may be the other issue. The top is so crowded here. Like when you guys got white hot through 98, it feels like there's just top guys all over the place, which is a great thing. And, and probably one of the reasons you guys set so many records, but I, I just, I don't know, man, maybe I just can't let it go. I just think about Shamrock and I think, man, he could have been right there at the tiffy top of the card.
1: Well, he, he definitely could have been a lot of guys could have been, but there's only so much room at the top. And right. I do think that Ken had a, had an excellent run and was right up there with everybody. They all, you know, everybody can't be champion. That's right. Well, Ken and uh, the big
0: boss man are going to drop those tag titles to Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart on January 25th, 1999. That all happens on a Monday night raw. Um, Why Jeff and Owen here and not say the outlaws? It does feel like at different times, there's been different, I don't know, approaches to tag team wrestling in the WWF. Once upon a time, everybody was a team guys like the Hart foundation or the rockers or the killer bees. And then that evolved it seems. And then we started to see two guys put together and they have their own personality, but they're not necessarily a traditional tag team. Why the paradigm shift in that approach to tag team wrestling over the years. Do you think?
1: Well, I, you know, first of all, I don't think that there is a paradigm shift. I just think it's, you know, different philosophies for different people at different times in the business. There there were always tag teams in the business. Make no mistake about it. You go all the way back, you know, to the Von Brauners and the Infernos and the Assassins. Uh, then later years, Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express. But for the most part, teams were usually made up of two guys that didn't really necessarily have a whole lot going on, put them together as a team for a while, and it just kind of freshens them up somewhat. But, you know, that's just a a philosophy of taking two guys that you're going, okay, what are we going to do with them in a singles capacity? Maybe they work well together. So put them together and make them a tag team.
0: Well, that's what happens, and then out of nowhere, uh, an attractive woman is sitting ringside, and Val Venus makes a pass at her. Ken comes racing down and attacks Val while Billy Gunn, who's feuding with Ken Shamrock, comes out as well. So it seems like we're setting up a three-way program. Before we go any further, though, what do you remember about the way the Ryan Shamrock character came to be? And as the story goes. It was perhaps a movie that Vince Russo watched that gave him the inspiration for the story.
1: I have no idea. Okay. Uh, you know, from my vantage point, it was Russo was looking for someone to be Ken Shamrock's sister for a one-off for, you know, this one single shot that it was a Houston event and I was asked to find someone to play that role and Went through a friend of mine, and there she was. And uh, Ryan Shamrock was born.
0: Alicia Webb is the person behind the character Ryan Shamrock. Yeah. He said you went through a, a, a friend of yours. Is this a casting agency?
1: This was a friend of mine that was a DJ, okay. and he was he played in a uh, had a rock band, and so he played a lot of clubs, and he just happened, happened to know her and said, man, you know, I was looking, we were looking for, looking for someone like, like her, (laughs) you know, she had very fresh face. She didn't look like a stripper. She didn't look like, you know, anything else. And she was not a stripper. Um, And she was just, she was a friend of somebody in the band. And he asked her, Hey, would you like to do it? And we used her on TV and the rest they say is history.
0: Where does the stripper talk come from?
1: I don't know. I think that that's what people just sometimes assume and put that label on there and no one ever corrects it, but, but she definitely was not.
0: It's written in the great book, uh, written by our pal Jonathan Snowden, Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man, that this program would be the albatross that would albatross that would sink his personal and professional life. Was Ken, as far as you know, having any personal issues at this point?
1: God, I don't really know. I I I don't know.
0: Uh, Val would continue to go after Ryan as Ken would proclaim that his sister had no right to make her own decisions because he's there for her decisions and to make her decisions for her. And Vince Russo has said on the record that he thought Ken Shamrock was the biggest waste that the WWF ever had for missing money with him. But this Who said that? Vince Russo. And it's like, if that's, so, if that's his stance, why, why did he write this story? I don't get it.
1: Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but he's pretty good about blaming other people for everything. So,
0: uh, what do you remember about saving Ryan's privates the movie?
1: Oh my God. Um, you know, look, Ed Val was the former porn star, Okay, uh, that character that he portrayed. And there was look, man had limited shelf life, but the shelf life it did have was able to provide some provocative and interesting programming for a while, but it wasn't anything that you could really sustain, but it was, you know, it was good. It was fun.
0: Ken's working with uh, Billy Gunn after the rumble on all the house shows, but the match for St. Valentine's day massacre is Ken versus Val with Billy Gunn as the special guest referee. And Val gets the win after Billy hits Ken with a fast count. And it's reported that Shamrock wasn't exactly in the best health at this time. He had some sort of illness. Do you remember anything about this? And w- did that have anything to do with him dropping the title here?
1: So I know at one point Ken had uh, like an intestinal thing going on where he was coughing up blood and just didn't know exactly what was going on. Didn't know if maybe that was it was either in his throat or if it was something in his intestines or, or what it was, but yeah, Ken did have a few, few months there where he wasn't in the best of shape. Um, it, this sort of feels like almost the story
0: of Ken Shamrock. Like, you know, we get a little momentum and then something happens, uh, whether it's an injury or something else that just sidelines his trajectory. Do you ever think that there's certain talent who, man, Timing was just seemingly never on their side. Their career at times just felt snake bit just based on that bad timing.
1: Yeah. I think that there are, you know, probably quite a few, of course, when you put me on the spot to name some, I can't come up with a name, but yes, you know, it does happen and timing is everything and timing can either make it or break it one way or the other. That's why when someone is coming in and they would be like, oh gosh, you know, I don't want to do that. It's so, like, well, you know, if you, you do this, you have an opportunity to now show your wares and make that the absolute best that it can possibly be. That opens up more doors. If you don't do it, someone else is going to do it and be in the story, and they may flourish. And all of a sudden, you'll be going, oh, man, I wish I had that opportunity. So I would always try to stress to people to always take every opportunity that you have, make the most of it, whether it's something that you're looking at and going, oh, hey, is this right for me or is this right for my character? Now, look at it as here's an opportunity to show them what I can do, whether I can take something that I consider to be bad material and make it the best it can possibly be, or I "Eh, I just don't really want to do it, half-ass it, and then you get half-assed results.
0: Do you think there's, I appreciate that. I'm glad we're having this conversation. Uh, I tend to agree with you, but I do want to know, do you think there's ever a time when a talent should be more protective of their character and say, I don't know about that. Sure. They can. Absolutely.
1: I I don't have a problem with people being selfish at the same time. You do have to have faith and sometimes you got to go out on a limb. And I believe that the best opportunities are those opportunities that are not necessarily, hey, here you go. We're going to give you all of this and put all this behind you. The best opportunities are the opportunities that you make the most out of. Stone called Steve Austin and Austin 316 just whipped your ass. That was taking an opportunity to talk after the king of the ring and make it a lot more than just an interview. There are different opportunities as you you know go along the way that can help define a career and if you weren't there in it, then you don't have that opportunity. How
0: do you identify as a talent? How do you know, is there a rule of thumb? Is there a piece of advice that you would say like a a mindset or a mentality to make that approach to sort of identify, Hey, this is something that I should go for and roll the dice on, or, Hey, this is probably something I should try to pull back on.
1: Look, man, if you you want to be a star, you got to be on TV and you got to be able to do things and show that you have a range. Right. All right. If you want to be a one-dimensional thing and this is all I want to do, then you're going to be a one-dimensional character that people are going to forget about pretty quickly. It's range and it's being able to do a lot of different things. And although you may think, oh, my God, this is going to kill my career. Well, you know, sometimes it can make your career. And you just have to, you have to do the best. Not everything is going to work. Nobody, you know, if we had that crystal ball to be able to see, well, this is going to work perfectly, then by God, you've got a crystal ball. You got to try things. You got to experiment. And I think it's important a lot of times for talent to have input in what they do. I also think it's important for them to have faith as well.
0: Hey, I want to ask you about uh, another switch that happens here during this whole Ryan Shamrock saga, and it gets a lot of TV time. We see Shamrock and gun being programmed together for months, but then randomly road dog beats Val Venus on TV for the IC title on the lead up to WrestleMania here in 99. So essentially road dog and Billy Gunn almost switch spots where instead of, you know, gun challenging for the, the intercontinental title. Now it's going to be road dog. It's a little weird. Why the change? Why do they
1: sort of do the role reversal here? Do you recall? I don't, that was kind of, you know, Russo's way of writing sometimes is, you know, the shotgun TV and bro, you never know what to expect. Well, you didn't know what to expect because a lot of times not everything was played out in storyline. Right. And sometimes just to shake things up or for the swerve, bro. Um, it's when that's all it is when everything's about to swerve, it becomes very it's just not interesting.
0: Let's talk a little bit about uh, what happens at WrestleMania. Uh, Ryan goes on to be dumped by Val Venus uh, and then to be involved with Goldust. So, Mania is now a four way. It's Shamrock and, and Venus are counted out while Dog is going to go ahead and pin Goldust. So, it's a four way here at WrestleMania 15 in Philadelphia. Uh, Ryan Shamrock right in the middle of all this, you know, you've told us, you know, this is really the, the Russo era. What did Vince McMahon think of the Shamrock story, the Ryan Shamrock's
1: story? Ha, uh, You know, I, I think, you know, it, it was just, it was another character. It was another character to add into the play. And again, as I said, from the very beginning. You know, she was a one off. It was going to be Houston, and that was it to do this cameo. From there, we, you know, brought her in, actually put her in the ring to learn how to bump and to train her a little bit. Uh, Great attitude. I don't think she really understood (laughs) what she was getting into at first because, you know, it's like, hey, just all this thrust upon you pretty quickly. Um, But, you know, Ryan had the capacity and the willingness to learn. And she was like, okay, you know, if I need to learn how to protect myself and take a bump, then let's, you know, get in the ring and learn how to protect myself. I don't think anybody was looking for her to have matches. Ken Shamrock
0: had this to say, they wanted the angle to be that instead of me wanting to protect her, which is what they initially said it would be that I really wanted to be with her, like sexually be with her. They went to me to actually pretend like I'm having sex with my sister. And I've actually got a son named Ryan Shamrock too. I'm like, uh, this doesn't feel right. I said I can't do that. I have kids and they go to school with their daddy wanting to have sex mm-hmm. with his sister. Really? So man, lot to unpack here. There's the about face. I know it's the Attitude Era. In hindsight, that feels like an idea I'd be okay with somebody putting their foot down
1: on. I would be okay with that too. Again, because that when you have something, I always go back to the Ray and uh, Eddie story with Dominic Mysterio, you know, that was real life. That was Eddie had written a book about having a child out of wedlock. Didn't get, didn't give the sex, didn't give the the timeline, nothing. Just this had happened.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And you know, I took that from there and played with it and and got to talk. But I talked to everybody first. I talked to Eddie and Vicky. I talked to Ray and Angie and then everybody together because it was real life. Angie and Ray's son is going to school every day. But yet on television, Ray's real son, Dominic, is being portrayed as could he be Eddie Guerrero's son? So that's taking real life and, you know, making a movie out of it with the actual characters. And that's hard to draw that line and extremely, you know, even harder for children to be able to start to draw that line and understand it. So it's, it's a very fine balancing act. And when you're saying to someone Okay, you know, we want to do this with you. I, I don't think that incest would ever be a good angle, right? You know, to do so. Ken being uncomfortable with that, I don't blame him for being uncomfortable with that. I don't think that's something that I would want to do either. The
0: um, there are conspiracy theorists out there that say that because he wasn't really willing to go along with that creative. That he sort of gets pushed down the card a little bit. I would normally try to argue that, but the blue meaning knocked him out on an episode of Monday night raw. And, and I know you and I think a lot of blue Meanie, but come on, man, blue mini knocking out Ken Shamrock. I don't know about that.
1: Did you see it? Yep. Well, then it happened.
0: I love you for that. Is that a Vince-ism you just dropped on me? They'll believe it when they see that's it. just life.
1: Yeah. You saw it happen. I, just... I love it.
0: well, Vince apparently loves the story so much. He transfers the feud over between the corporation and the ministry of darkness and surprise, surprise. The ministry winds up kidnapping Ryan while Ken Shamrock is beaten up and ambushed and Ryan would eventually be, um, <clears throat> well, uh, I don't want to say sacrifice, but she winds up on the undertaker symbol. Of course, the most infamous scene is where Stephanie McMahon is kidnapped and Shamrock goes on a search around the arena for Mr. McMahon and his wrestling trunks. I got to say though, the visual of Ken looking for Stephanie in his little blue tights, that
1: just tickles me. Yeah. I like those little, little blue trunks huh?
0: Well, it's just, I don't know. I hope when I turn on CSI one day, the cops are running around kick pads and trunks, I'd be badass.
1: Well, if you were the world's most dangerous man, that's all you that's need. That's all you need.
0: Uh, Wade Keller wrote this at the time in the first torch. name
1: Ken, last name Shamrock. It was on this pads. It, it? it
0: was, yeah. Read the boots, bitch. Yeah, read the boots. Uh, when Ken Shamrock began asking people backstage if they had seen Stephanie, were we as viewers supposed to believe the people backstage weren't already aware that the boss's daughter had been kidnapped? Then, when Ken Shamrock found out where Stephanie was, he was the only one to go looking for her in the basement. You would think Vince would have sent dozens of people down there immediately. Come on. The TV writing can be better than this. There's so many unnatural actions by so many parties that it's almost impossible to suspend disbelief and just enjoy the show.
1: If you're going to analyze everything that way, then, then you know what? Fuck off. Come on, suspend your disbelief, have fun with it. You know, go ahead and go along with the ride. I wonder where this is going to go because I guarantee if you take that same microscope and put it on every other television show that you watch and that's your favorite show, you're going to be very disappointed and go through life with per damn, just rotten disposition in general.
0: Let me ask. I know some of those other shows, uh, you know, traditional shows, not wrestling shows, they would have like a continuity person. Did WWE ever have a continuity person like that?
1: You know, we tried, um, I say yes and no. Okay. Yeah. We, you know, we, we tried, but sometimes it's between the reality of dealing with human beings and the injuries and everything else that can happen. Sometimes it just gets fucked up.
0: Well, listen, it's not for lack of trying, um, Eventually Shamrock would convince Christian to tell Ken where to find Stephanie and there she was in the basement that leads to Christian being crucified. I mean, put on the symbol, uh, shades of gray and all that jazz, but here's Shamrock being a baby face for the evil owner, Vince, fighting another evil guy in the undertaker. This is some complicated storytelling I don't know if this would have flown in the Bosch
1: era. Oh, God, yeah, we did this all the time in Houston with Jose Lothario and Dory Funk took his jacket. And then he – I mean, Dory Funk uh, had his jacket stolen by Jose Lothario, uh, his West Texas State jacket, number 76, I believe. And uh, Jose had him, Ben Borrella, come and get it. And that got him a world championship match because Dory wanted that Letterman's jacket because, by God, he earned it. No different. No different. Losing your sister and finding her because you earned it. Remember
0: when they put Dory on a crawl on a symbol? Those are the good those are the days. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh at Backlash, K- Shamrock gets his big one on one match with the Undertaker. Normally that seems like that'd be a big deal, but here, Taker eats him up, takes a lot of the match, using all types of submissions on him. Yeah, the ultimate fighter. Undertaker. It's amazing. Yeah. Eventually,
1: Matter
0: of fact, Shamrock works his way into catching Taker in the you ankle. You that? Bradshaw comes out for the save. Taker hits him with the tombstone. One, two, three. And then uh, Bradshaw would choke Shamrock out afterwards with a baseball bat as well. It does feel like my man's being punished a little bit. Blue mean he's knocking him punished out. Punished for what? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. No. Okay. The next item on Raw is Shamrock versus Bradshaw. Shamrock is going to tell this story. Quote, I'm in the ring, working out with Steve Blackman, rolling around and tapping him out left and right. Someone goes, get in there, Bradshaw. You could take him." So I go, okay, I'll lay down. I'll let you grab your best hold and I'll submit you in less than a minute. And so everybody goes, oh, come on Bradshaw do it. So Bradshaw goes to the ring and he grabs a hold on me. And in 15 seconds, I tapped him out.
1: You remember this? It didn't take him that long. (laughs) It did not take him that long and um the the best part about it was is ken can like just it reached the point of beyond fed up and ken's like ratcha come on in here man i will lay down you put any hold on me that you want to put put on me and i will beat your ass and John's like, well, goddamn, Mr. Shamrock. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hurt you or anything. He goes, John, come on. And Ken laid down in the middle of the ring. Legs spread, arms spread. And John got in. John get up and like kicked him a little bit, like see if he was moving, and Kenny didn't flinch. John gets down on all fours. And he like grabs an arm, he grabs a leg, and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And all of a sudden he sits there, he's on his hands and knees. He says, I don't know when he holds. I love it. John didn't know what to, you know, like he could have done, put it. Ken would have laid there for him. And finally, Ken like showed him how to put on a arm bar or some kind of shit. And John had it locked in and Ken says, okay, you sure you got me? You got me? I think so. Let me know when you're sure. Okay. I got you. And in about five seconds, uh, Kenny had reversed it and Bradshaw was tapping air, bless his heart, but it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in my life, you
0: know, I feels like yeah. we've, we've heard that story twice from you and different for different people, Steve Blackman yeah. and Ken. Well,
1: well, Blackman was another one. So no, Blackman was the one. They actually got into a fight at baggage claim, right? So he had been harassed to see Blackman just so much. And, and, you know, egging Steve on. And then they were at baggage claim and everybody was tired and everything else. And somebody like either goose Blackman or did something to Blackman. Blackman thought it was Bradshaw and Steve had hit Bradshaw like eight times before John even realized he was in a fight. And he stepped in a bag, fell down or it was, it was horrible. It was a horrible thing, but um, you know, they all apologized and hugged it out that day at TV and, it was, a uh, interesting affair.
0: Well, the match between Shamrock and Bradshaw does not take place as the acolytes end up destroying Ken before test comes out to make the save. Ken has saved and helped Stephanie so many times on this raw that when it comes time for her sacrifice, it's not Ken that successfully saves her, but stone cold, Steve Austin. I mean, in hindsight, that would have been a great spot for Ken to just continue that story and make the save. But was that, the
1: story wasn't with Ken. The story was with Austin and Vince.
0: But Ken was the one running around backstage. Why wasn't that Stone Cold the whole time?
1: Because that was the whole reason because you thought it was going to be Shamrock and Austin was coming out as a surprise at the end. I got you. And Steve had had enough and Steve would come for Stephanie. Not wasn't doing it for Mr. McMahon. He was doing it because it was the evil undertaker and because it was a helpless young woman there that was just guilty of nothing other than being Vince's daughter. So Stone Cold came out to help her, not to help Vince. The story was always, it was prerequisite, and it was beautiful storytelling in that regard because it was Vince. When you thought it was Vince and Undertaker, the real story all along underneath was Vince and Undertaker luring Austin in and getting Austin closer along the way.
0: Well, let's talk about, uh, what's next. I can't believe this is real, but you guys reveal a new faction called the union of people you ought to respect son or up yours for short. That's U P Y O R S of course, thankfully we eventually just call them the union. Mankind is the leader Vince McMahon is backing him. The other members are test big show and Ken Shamrock. And this is in response to the corporate ministry, having sort of merged together and perhaps some of the dumbest shit from the era up yours, Bruce. Come on, man. Oh my God. Was that the drizzling shits or what? Awful. It'd have to be, it'd have to improve to be the drizzling
1: shits. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, absolutely horrible. But yeah. And again, that was like, you know, Russo's like pretty mean sisters. PMS? Yeah. Yeah. He, he liked doing that shit. Yeah. It's just and the 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 imagery, you ever see the movie Fist? No. F-I-S-T with Sylvester Stallone? I
0: don't think so. It's
1: about it was it was loosely based on Jimmy Hoffa. Okay. Okay. And Stallone was a union leader and they had the two by fours and they went and they fought and everything. And great movie. Good movie, but that's kind of what it was loosely based on. Got yeah. it pretty mean sisters.
0: Uh, well, we know how the story well, goes. Vince reveals himself to be the higher power and essentially everyone on the babyface side looks moronic because they believed Vince, except stone cold. The union lasts all of five weeks, mercifully. And it's reported at the time that uh, along with his on-screen persona, maybe falling apart, his backstage persona was having issues as well. Ken starts to date his on-screen sister, Ryan in real life. And, uh, unfortunately he's married at the time. And I guess that's falling apart. I know it's not something you probably dabble in or pay much attention to, but sometimes you're unfortunately maybe drug into it when the talents start dating each other and maybe one's married. I'm sure you hear things. Where do you draw the line of what's worth discussing and what's not?
1: Look, you know, again, everybody has choices in their lives to make mm-hmm. and what they do in their personal time, as long as it doesn't affect business it's not really anything to get involved in if they're hurting themselves and hurting the business then yeah man you probably need to get involved in it but it's that's a personal choice and would you know would i make the same choice no i wouldn't but at the same time you know a lot of guys are having problems and issues at home right so it's um that's the realities of living on the road and being on the road as much as We were on the road and traveling all over the place. You're together all the time and things happen. Ken
0: would have this to say. I was so much better than everyone else, the natural ability. That was probably a curse because I was still able to go out and have fun and party, I'd still go in there and be much better than 90% of them in the ring. And people will go, that's good. Right. But it's a curse because if I would have slipped and my performance had been going down. It might've made me wake up a little sooner. Like, whoa, I'm ruining myself here. But because I was able to maintain such a high caliber in the ring and still be able to do that partying adjustment, I was able to do it for a longer period of time. Do you agree with that? Did you think that Ken was able to get to another gear and perhaps he was partying too much and maybe that affected his upward mobility in the company?
1: Yeah, you know, I have no idea what his partying habits were like. Really don't. I, I don't know. I don't ever remember hearing, oh, hey, Ken Shamrock's out of control. Never heard of Ken, you know, abusing drugs. Never heard of Ken really having any any issues with it. So if he was able to go out and party and still come in and perform at the level that he did perform, good for him. Again, I don't ever recall hearing any of that or ever remember it affecting his work. So uh, look, he would know, <laughs> you know, and if that's how he felt, then obviously he would know, but I don't ever remember anybody going Ah, Kenny's out of hand in the bars or Kenny's right. doing this or doing that. That never got to me.
0: Ken would say that during his time in the union around that time, quote, they wanted me to fight China. And they were gonna have China go over on me and I had no problem with that. I have her come in and punch me and cover me. But they wanted me to have a match. I said, I can't do that. I've taught my kids to never hit a girl, and they kind of laughed. But I couldn't punch her and then go tell my kids that they shouldn't hit a girl. Listen, I understand that, you know, some people are weird about intergender, and we'll table that conversation for another time. But on the other hand, is from your perspective, was this kin being difficult? or is this another one of those all right i could see maybe that's another thing worth fighting for but it is as you said if you're not going to do it somebody else
1: is right yeah and i think and i think had ken tried it on and been able to you know work around all of that and make it work that it would have worked Conspira- conspiracy theories cheers.
0: would say hey this is a guy who who wouldn't put over dan severn there's no way he's going to put over
1: a woman I don't know. Do you have an opinion on that? No, I, I. You know, the Dan Severn thing is a completely different issue, right? Right, and the reason that's a different issue is because Dan and Ken were competitors in the UFC. All right, there they came from that shoot fighting background, and I think there was a pride there amongst both of them. I don't think that uh, Severn would have been happy putting Shamrock over either. So. I think there was just that pride there with those two guys in their previous life and their tough guy world in which they existed that look, if if they, if you want us to fight, go out and fight for real, pay us a lot of money. Hey, we'll go fight each other and let the winner, you know, let the better man win. But I think there was just a little bit of that pride, man. and, And, but that was not just on Kenny that was on both of them. Right. So and in a weird way I got it because I also knew and I always felt, you know, where Ken wanted to continue doing MMA. I think that was still in his blood. He was still looking for, you know, that that big fight after his run here was done.
0: I just assume that you guys know that by this point that he is thinking about, you know, the next big MMA run. And having a loss, even in storyline to a woman, probably not something he wants.
1: Yeah, I don't think that would have that wouldn't have affected him one iota. Okay. Don't so, uh, working with China and doing that, I don't think would have affected him one iota at all.
0: Eventually there's an on-screen issue with the two, and Shamrock would belly-to-belly China and choke her before walking away. Uh and of course Shamrock would say, uh this is because he refused at the time to work with Triple H's girlfriend that now he's made himself a political enemy of triple H. And he even says that he would defeat Hunter on the road a lot when he first came in and maybe that's another reason that Hunter held a grudge. I have to admit outside of Ken talking about it. I never heard that there was any issue between shamrock and Hunter. Have you? No. Yeah. That's why you read, you read reading, I'm
1: going, huh? yeah. I never heard it didn't that make a lot of sense No.
0: Well, without China to work with, our man is going to work, uh, move on to working with Jeff Jarrett, which would include a match with Ken Shamrock where, uh, he would beat Jarrett while he was in a straitjacket. So we're still trying all kinds of silliness here, but yeah, a straight jacket, he's still getting quite the reaction on the show from the fans. Uh, and it does feel like he's a different style character than a lot of the other, over the top characters in the attitude era. And I guess now he said no to creative twice once about hooking up with Ryan and once about beating up China, and he's going to enter a feud with Steve Blackman. And I guess that's a natural fit because of the martial arts background, but it's probably you know, going to help Blackman more than it helps shamrock. No,
1: I think, you know, again, it was a natural, right? I think that when you look at those two guys, um, it, it's, it's like a natural fit for them. You want to see which one of those, Badasses is going to come out the victor. Plus they were good friends and had chemistry. So it was something that you could go towards that. I think Kenny enjoyed and Steve as well, but it was obviously going to help Blackman more and Blackman needed the help at that time. That was to see if, you know what, does, does Steve have it or not? And putting him in there with Ken was definitely going to tell you one way or another.
0: Well, what I remember is, uh, in this era, you know, Ken is starting to have a a bit of a split focus. He's spending a lot of time at his gym, the lion's den. And in July of 99, he even shows up at the UFC pay-per-view UFC 21. And he's talking about how he's going to be returning to fighting soon. And Jim Ross on his podcast has said that, you know, from his perspective, the reason Ken you guys never went all the way with him as he had reliability issues. He would be late to shows. He would, he would have a few no shows and eventually Jr had to find him. Um, was reliability an issue, at least in your mind that, or, or was it more of the threat of, he might not be with us long-term because he wants to do well, MMA.
1: Well, first of all, I think part of it is we all knew he wanted to go back and do MMA, right? Okay. So that was. That was always there in, you know, reliability, dependability. Yeah, man, that's a factor. If you can't come to work on time, you can't, you know, show up on time, and be where you're supposed to be. If we can't depend on you, then yes, that is an issue. So I don't think that it was so bad that I think once it got fined, you didn't do it again. But I think there was a little bit of a run there where, you know, Kenny probably had other things on his mind.
0: Well, I'll tell you, it, it, from the outside looking in, I could see why some people felt like you guys had a hard on for Ken Shamrock. I don't think you did, but if you'd like a hard on, the best one you ever had, Blue Chew can help. Boys and yep. girls, hey. come on now, let's talk about sex. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. We're talking about BlueChew.com. blue chew.com is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra Cialis and Levitra, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost, take these dudes anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Once you sign up at blue you'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And then once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. The promo code is WRESTLE and you'll receive your first month free. Visit blue chew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. So do you kind of wish that maybe Ken hadn't gone to the UFC pay-per-view and announced that he was looking to return to fighting? Is that something you guys discuss ahead of time? Or are you surprised
1: when you hear? You it would rather that? have done it on our, yes, in our venue, you know, been able to make that jump and, and help make that deal different. But I think Ken, you know, wanted to move on. Ken wanted to go back to fighting and that's, you know, Does he give you a heads up or do you just, are you, I think he did. did. Okay. Then put it this way. I knew that Ken really had a desire to go back and fight. Right. So I knew we were going to get to the point of looking at that and, and letting him out of his contract or, you know, crossing that bridge. But I think that he, he kind of got to the bridge pretty quick there. And by going to UFC and doing that, did he get any heat for the way he did it? I don't think it was, I don't know. There was necessarily heat as much. It was like, God damn, man. Yeah. What the fuck? You're not telling us what you're doing. Right. So, you know, let's talk about like Ryan heat.
0: for a minute. Like. There's two reports out there on the one hand it's, Hey, if Ken's leaving, we don't need her. Let's let her go. And there's another report that you guys offered her a contract and she refused to sign it. So it's like, well, if you don't want to sign a contract and you don't want to be here, move on. Which one was it? Do you recall both? Okay.
1: It's actually both. Okay. So she had been offered a contract. She had been offered the contract, just like everyone else. And she hemmed and hawed on signing it so long that when it came time, you know, for Kenny to move on, that there was really no longer a need for Ryan. So, okay, great. Don't sign the contract. Thank you very much. See you down the road.
0: Well, what we see down the road is, uh, Ken having a flight issue just a couple of weeks later at a house show in Toronto and instead edge takes the spot in the intercontinental championship match against Jeff Jarrett and edge goes over, I guess this is the old classic, uh, the replacement has to be better than the original let's see let's let them see something they wouldn't normally see what is the thinking here
1: yeah give them something that's first of all it's in canada right Edge is canadian yep and different world up there man they love their canadians you know it's funny the patriotism that canada has and used to be our country had that patriotism still just as just as strong. If you were just an American, oh by God, you were the babyface in Canada. You're Canadian, man. You're the babyface in in Canada. And here's an opportunity. You've got one of your own, an up and comer. Yeah, put him over. It's pretty good. And fully loaded.
0: Right after this title switch, it's the next day. Shamrock's going to defeat Steve Blackman, and I believe what was called an Iron Circle match. But let's call it what it what well, it really was. It's a circle of cars parking lot match with Ken and Steve in the middle.
1: Uh, listen, It's surrounded by metal. It's a circle of metal, circle of iron. I just, just not, to, not not right. the script. It's a bunch of metal and the engines it's what, surrounded by them. Are you
0: for these? I mean, this is almost like a cinematic movie or a cinematic match before that was a thing. What, what do you what do you think of this?
1: I loved it. Okay thought it was good. You know, look, it's two guys that, that, that style of fighting, that's what they did and be able to take it to a different arena. I thought it was pretty neat and it allowed them to be showcased in a different way. Well, well you know, like, you know what happens? The, the, next, run, but.
0: the next night went in doubt, hit that motherfucker with a car. Yes, we do. Steve Blackman hits Ken Shamrock with a car, but Shamrock manages to come back later that same night. And he loses to Hunter in the middle of the ring. When the referee starts, stops it for internal bleeding. Yeah. We had a match stopped for internal bleeding here, uh, with Shamrock's contract, not expiring for months after he would go back to the UFC. I'm wondering, like, were you guys trying to co-promote at all with the UFC here and try to get some sort of a return that way? Uh, we know you're in business with them these days, but way back when was that ever
1: discussed at one point? Yeah. Um, had a decent relationship with Meyerowitz and, but I don't, you know, I I really don't think that they would have been into it at the time. Right. I think they were way too protective of, of realism and what have you. So there wasn't a big desire on their side. Now the, where we definitely would have helped them was just with exposure, and be able to get that promoted on our television worldwide and and make Kenny an even bigger star for them as well. But, uh, I don't think that it ever got too far down the road.
0: Let's talk about Jr on his Ross report. He would go on and say, quote, Ken Shamrock will be decreasing his WWF schedule in 2000 to return to the martial arts and fighting world. Shamrock wants to compete in a few fights next year, and then will possibly return to an active WWF schedule. WBF officials are fully supporting Ken's efforts and may even explore the possibility of helping promote the world's most dangerous man in these pending fights. So clearly, Jr. is saying there is a plan for him to return in the future. Did you think that was real or is it just
1: optimism, trying to be hopeful? The door was open. Yeah, the door was definitely open. You know, the, the crazy—I don't know if we talked about this. The first time we talked about it, Ken, but how Ken would prepare for a fight. Ken would go to the lion's den. And, and in this case, I think it was Dallas and Ken would have the living shit beat out of him for either a week or two where no offense. Ken would just, his students would go in there and they would beat the living holy hell out of him. And that was how he, he got conditioned to start going in to train for his fights. And I just always thought that was amazing because he would come be just beat to hell. And he's like, yeah, no, that's what, you know, because I go in and <laughs> my guys beat the shit out of me. And he becomes conditioned to taking that punishment. You know, no different than than in the ring when you're taking bumps every night. After, you know, the third night, it's just second nature. Does You don't feel it anymore. Your Your body becomes calloused and conditioned to it. And that's how Kenny trained to fight. And I just always thought that was amazing.
0: The blow off for uh, shamrock and Blackman is going to happen at SummerSlam with a lion's den match with weapons all around the cage. What'd you think of that presentation? And, and you know, the chemistry with these two guys together?
1: Well, first of all, I love the lions Den. uh, like the concept. It was a neat little deal that we did and just gave a little bit different presentation. So, um, it was just so intimate and different, you know, more than anything. And to put these two guys in there, gave them a completely different feel for their match. So to me, it worked and man, there's nobody that's going to tell you, they could see through anything that Steve Blackman or Ken Shamrock
0: did. Oh no, I agree with that. Totally. Yeah. So Blackman starts going over Ken on the house shows in this era, even though Shamrock's going to get the win on pay-per-view, um, that was kind of curious to me because in hindsight, if you know Ken's leaving, why not put Blackman over at the pay-per-view? Don't know. Yeah.
1: Ken, that's a conundrum there.
0: Well, Jericho's gonna debut in the company, and before Shamrock leaves the arena on a smackdown, they bump in each other. Which leads to Shamrock chasing the Jericho Flunky at the time, Howard Finkel. Jericho would write. In Shamrock's mind, if he was supposed to chase me, he was going to chase me at full speed, and he did. I ran down the aisle, and when he spotted me, he charged as fast as he could. I knew if he caught me, he would hurt me, so I took off down the aisle like Ben Johnson post-water bottle swig. When we raced through the curtain out of the audience's view, I slowed down, but he didn't, and he tackled me (laughs) as hard as he could in the hallway. Ken, did you really need to tackle me? Nobody can even see you. And he said, Ken said, I knew I could catch you, which is just hilarious. Yeah, that's really Ken's mentality, though, right? Just wide open, it's let's pace,
1: go. Man. Yes, yeah, yeah, man. Ken's a stud. Ken's just, you know, Ken's one of those guys. When you talk about world class athletes, Ken fit in that category.
0: How much did Vince love the idea, McMahon, I mean, of Shamrock? Chasing after Howard Trinkle. <laughs> he loved that shit, didn't he?
1: Well, Howard was quick, man.
0: Iconic wrestler Kevin Von Erich just announced his first public tour. The show, titled Stories from the Top Rope, will feature Von Erich sharing insight into his career, personal triumphs, and tragedies. Stories from the Top Rope will go on sale June 2nd at EmporiumPresents.com. And will offer a very limited number of VIP tickets, which include a meet and greet and photo op. Von Erich, now 65, will be the subject of a major motion picture, Iron Claw, which stars Zach Efron and is slated for release later this year. See Kevin Von Erich live September 1st in Dallas, September 2nd in San Antonio, September 3rd in Corpus Christi, September 5th in Houston, September 6th in Shreveport, September 8th in Oklahoma City, September 9th in Amarillo and September 10th in Midland. Tickets on sale at EmporiumPresents.com. I was fast, dude. Uh, you're going to have uh, Mr. Hughes involved. Howard Finkel is going to be dressed in disguises. Uh, Ken is maybe not the strongest on the stick, and Jericho's going to make him look silly week after week if we're honest. Uh, but Ken's probably checked out. Like he knows, man, I'm going to the UFC kind of is what it is. And on an episode of raw, we get a match between Shamrock and Hughes and Hughes is maybe not known to be the best worker in the world. Uh, but he gives Ken a live round and Ken potatoes him back. And then allegedly, according to the rumor and innuendo, Ken cut quite a promo on Hughes backstage. It's, it's reported in all the newsletters. Do you remember their
1: beef, their dust up, Mr. Hughes and Shamrock. I really don't. I remember, you know, little snug and, you know, Curtis was, Curtis, you know, was just coming back. Curtis had dropped a lot of weight. You know, he wasn't the Mr. Hughes that everybody remembered. Right. He was probably, you know, 60 pounds less or maybe 80 pounds less. He was much different guy. And I think that Curtis was still, you know, finding his way with his timing and everything and coming back and a little nervous being back as well. So I don't think it was intentional, but I could look, man. Ain't ballet and tempers are gonna flare. You got two grown ass men in there. Shit's gonna happen.
0: Then at a house show, supposedly Shamrock takes a hard kick from him and aggravates his neck. So it's SmackDown, Jericho is in full hockey garb. And he's gonna cause him to cough up blood with a hockey stick to the gut. And unbelievably that's the end of Ken Shamrock in the WWF. Uh, without even putting Jericho over at the unforgiven pay-per-view, what can you tell us? I mean, this feels like this is the beginning of a promo and then he's out. What led to him leaving seemingly abruptly? I mean, it would have made sense, right? To put over Jericho at the pay-per-view and finish the story or why not?
1: Because I don't think he wanted to do it. And I think that it was at the time where it was, you know, what's, what's better to just go ahead and let him leave then or to try and drag this thing out. And it's not going to be what you want it to be. Right. I don't think his heart was in it. I don't think Kenny really wanted to stay at that point. So you cut your losses and move on.
0: Did you ever envision him returning to the company?
1: I did. I really did. I thought that Kenny would be, you know, one of those guys that would definitely come back and, uh, have another bright run. Um, and I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm looking at it through rose colored glasses because I genuinely like Ken Shamrock a lot. Um I I wanted him to come back because I, I liked him personally and I thought he was a hell of a talent. So it's interesting wishful thinking, probably on my part.
0: It's interesting to me with all the people who've left and some of the folks you thought, man, they'll never be back. And they came back. Ken never does. Why do you think that was, I know once upon a time he had some litigation. You and I found out about that once accidentally, but I, I can't put my finger on why it never happened. Do you remember you guys ever getting
1: close? I don't, I, you know, I don't know, but I also don't know that can ever tried to come back. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't know, you know, maybe somebody reached out to him at one point, he didn't want to do it or, um. I don't really know, but you know, it takes two to tango there. sure uh, it does. I don't know that, that Ken definitely wanted to come back.
0: Do you think Ken in hindsight is one of the biggest missed opportunities in WWF? Like when I talked to Jeff about TNA, he always talks about Monty Brown as being the one that got away. What about Ken Shamrock for you in the WWF see you up there? Look, I-
1: I thought Ken had a hell of a run. Yeah. Ken had had a hell of a run. He really did. And I don't think that there was anything that was missed with Shamrock. Uh, could we have gotten more? Was there more to get? Absolutely. There's always more to get, but I don't think that that we were shortchanged or that Ken was shortchanged in any way in the relationship. I think that, that it worked out the best for, for both sides.
0: Do you see him in the hall of fame one day? And do you think he deserves it?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I think that Ken, you know, um, look at this, man. Here was a guy who was an amateur wrestler, got in the wrestling business. He was, um, you know, worked in the Carolinas an enhancement talent and then went to make a name for himself in mixed martial arts and had the charisma, but he also had the skills to become a star in that world.
0: We, uh, we should do some questions here. Drew Landry has a great one. Any
1: conversation. (coughs) Oh shit. I'm joking. Sorry.
0: Well, let's get a camera on you so we can get the footage of this at least. (coughs) No, are you okay?
1: (coughs) Yeah, I'm great. (coughs) Sorry. went down the wrong hole there.
0: We're going to show you your mute button one day. That's exactly what everybody wanted in their ear, Bruce.
1: Yeah, you're
0: welcome. What what happened? Did you just swallow down the wrong hole?
1: Yes, okay, I did I did I was taking my <coughs> my nighttime meds so that I could go to sleep, and I chugged it, and it went down the wrong hole.
0: That's what she said. Uh, Drew Landry wants to know any conversation about bringing Shamrock back to battle Kurt Angle over the ankle lock finisher. How well do you think those two could have worked together? Bruce, when I talk about missed opportunities, I think of that one in particular, like that's just right there, man. Like this legit Olympic gold medalist, this legit UFC champ, the ankle lock. God, that could have been fun.
1: Would have been great. And I think that they would have had instant chemistry, You, you know, Kurt angle and Ken Shamrock, just let them go, man. They wouldn't have to discuss the damn thing. And I think that they would make beautiful music together. Unfortunately, you know, yeah, that one never happened, but it would have been great. Would have liked to have seen that. Sure.
0: Uh, Ma- Matt Godfrey says fantasy booking shamrock versus Lesnar or shamrock versus angle, which one could have main evented WrestleMania
1: in a different time. Again, if you were to take, if you were to take Kenny in his peak and and Brock in his peak, actually either one of them, yeah. I think definitely could have. Those are just rock would have been interesting at
0: the time and no doubt. You know, we, we talk a lot on, on some of our shows about how timing is everything. I kind of think that's the deal here with Ken Shamrock. Like if he wouldn't have jumped and come over in 97 and instead he would have came out in 2000 and this could all looked a lot different. Don't you think?
1: Sure. Yeah. And you know, when you look at it too, Ken was the first, yeah. You know, UFC was new and and this whole ultimate fighting championship was this gimmick, a lot of people thought at the time. And people were wondering, is this going to work and what's going to happen here? So Kenny was the first to make that jump over, even though, look, that's where he started originally. So, yeah, if we had just, you know, had a little more time and a little different, a different time and place. Who knows what could happen?
0: Really fun question here. Uh, I could never get into Shamrock because of his lack of charisma was pairing him what? with a manager ever discussed. So listen, I don't agree with the lack of charisma, but a manager, I could see if you were going to make him a heel, maybe he might need a mouthpiece. Do you guys, do you remember ever even considered considering a manager? I mean, for him? he was
1: part of the, the corporate minister of that corporate minister, the union. The, the union and corporations. So yeah, I mean, he did have. People to talk. But Ken Shamrock is never somebody I would say that lacked charisma. He totally. fucking oozed charisma. Yes. Just you know, walking in, he walked with swagger and walked with like man. You know, he had the BMF walk before there was a BMF walk.
0: Yeah, he did. Uh, Instagram a wrestling historian wants to know Did you guys ever discuss putting the WWF championship on him after he won the King of the Ring tournament? It was a moment in time. You think you could have got there seen Ken as the top dog?
1: I think, that yeah, you definitely could have absolutely. I think that Ken would have been in that conversation, but you know, again, it was very, very crowded at the top and, uh, very competitive and not everybody can be there at the same time.
0: We got a question here that I'd never heard from or heard about dismal abysmal says has Bruce ever heard the rumor of how Ken Shamrock was open to coming back to the WWF provided he was guaranteed a world title run. Is this something talent has ever demanded as part of a deal? And would Vince ever entertain such a request? No, there's not any truth to that. I've never heard that.
1: Usually when you hear, oh, well, they're going to be guaranteed this or that. That's bullshit. Usually
0: what they hear. Right. And usually that's someone, maybe Vince saying something along the lines of, I could see you as champion. And then they right. take that to mean, oh, he promised me a championship run, but that's not what he said. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, this is next week. We're going to talk about King of the ring, 1997. All right. One of the goofiest tournaments of all time. It's going to lead to Hunter finally getting his crown that maybe he was supposed to get in 96 Farouk is going to challenge the undertaker for the WWF title and the tag team champions are unlikely here. And Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin, they're not defending the titles. They're wrestling each other as tag champs. And, uh, yeah, this is Shawn's first pay-per-view singles match since the Royal Rumble remember this is the year he lost his smile. That's what we'll be covering this Friday. Of course, in the meantime, to hold you over, we've got a brand new interview with Keith Elliott, Greenberg, an award-winning author and historian, taking a look back at his time in the WWF during the golden era of wrestling. All of that is available now at adfreeshows.com. And if your business targets men 25 to 54 years old, no better place to advertise than right here on something to wrestle with. You've heard some of the same ads for the same companies year after year. Why is that? Well, because it really works. And with our super targeted audience, there's very little waste. Go adver- go to advertisewithbruce.com right now to find out more about advertising here on the program. Love to have your interaction on social or at Pritchard Show on Twitter and Instagram. Something to wrestle over on Facebook. And the easiest, cheapest, best way to support the show, man, subscribe to our YouTube. It's something to wrestle.com. Uh, that's something to wrestle.com. We've also got a ton of fun swag right now over at something to wrestle shirts.com, including Brother Love's Endless Love line. Good stuff. Feeling Brucey, awful. his house, something for everybody. Even got your your famous little rock on deal going there, Bruce. I had fun today talking about Ken Shamrock, but I am looking forward. They're talking about 1997 next week, man. That was, uh, it's an interesting time for the company. The summer of 97
1: certainly was. And it was certainly an interesting, uh, run with that King of the ring. <clears throat> Cause I would defy anybody to try and find me a picture of triple H wearing the crown.
0: He stopped him over and over and over. Did he not? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we're going to talk about yeah. that next week. As long as you can make it there, are you going to clear your throat and pull through
1: you gonna Boy, by it? God? It's, it's unbelievable. Terrible Conrad.
0: Well, I hope, I hope you're okay for TV.
1: I hope I'm all right. You got oh,
0: your, t- you got your TV biscuit on, you know, I do. Yeah. I there you go. The on today. Well, we'll see you folks this Friday coming back at you real fast. King of the ring, 1997 on deck, right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. rock on Fight plus is the ultimate digital platform for live sports and entertainment. And they're now offering a free seven-day trial at tryfight.com. Fight Plus is packed with a premium live event schedule, over a 1,000 hours of live action every year, and a library of more than 4,000 hours on demand, plus exclusive content you can't get anywhere else. Fight is a great partner of ours. They support us, so let's support them. Give that free seven-day trial a shot, and you'll be a member for life. That's tryfight.com. T-R-Y-F-I-T-E dot com.
1: Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here, and just want to call a quick timeout. I want to tell your listeners about what I've been telling everybody at over at 83 weeks, quite a while now, about all the cool things that are happening over at freeshows.com. On the latest edition of Monday Mailbag, Mike Kyoto shares road story of hanging with Taker and BSK. Yeah, we did. We played Domino's, we played Beale Street called trump uh it's a card game uh gin you know I used to play gin card games with them uh dominoes i used to go back in the back at a bus for bsk roll up a couple fatties for him <laughs> and they'd let me smoke one or two and they'd say okay coyote you gotta go back up the podfather sat down with that free shows members for a live edition of ask conrad talking about the one thing that brings us all together
0: a guy who owns a trucking company in vermont How in the hell is he friends with a guy who does mortgages in Alabama wrestling brought us together. So uh, when, when we created this concept of ad free shows, I had no idea that a pandemic was right around the corner, but it did become like this weird support group, not like in a bad way, not in a tragic or trauma way, just in a, Hey, it's a bunch of friends. They can get together and bounce ideas and share their life with each other.
1: That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why AdFree Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at AdFreeshows.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together.